Galatians chapter 3, Galatians chapter 3 tonight, and uh, I think Paul sort of speaks as a youth pastor, and uh, I, I'm the pastor of Eastside Baptist Church in Markham, but uh, I was in the youth ministry for 10 years, and I think Paul's, I, I, I don't know if he speaks as a youth pastor, but I think he, I think as a youth pastor, we all sort of get Paul here, because I can assure you that that whoever brought you here, or your pastor, or whoever has any sort of spiritual interest in your life, whoever has taken the time to pour spiritually into you, we all we all understand what Paul is going through here. We all understand what Paul is going through here. We have to here. Here's what I want you to understand before we read the verse. We have to understand what this book of Galatians is about. Paul is writing to the churches in Galatia. Churches that he has poured his blood, sweat, and tears into. Churches that he loves dearly. And that is the position that whoever has invested in your life spiritually, that is who they are. And let me tell you ultimately what they want. Your youth pastor, your pastor, your youth leader, whoever in the church has ever taken any interest in you, here's what they want for you. They want you to have that mountain. They want you to climb that mountain. They want you to be all you can be for God. And that's it. Let me tell you that that there is very little actual glamour in any of this as far as ministry goes. As far as ministry goes, it is not, you know, it's it's not like, well, you know, they just they just love to be in charge. That's that's not it. Actually, nobody loves to be in charge. Being in charge is the least fun thing about ministry. Now, you, you don't get that, someday you will. But but the truth is this, that, that the, the reason we do ministry, the reason we have youth meetings and youth summits, the reason we have youth activities, the reason people have poured money and time and effort into things like this, into your weekly youth meetings, into your Sunday school class, into your church stuff, is because they want you to have that mountain. They want you to be all you can be as you serve God. They want you to be all you can be as a Christian. They want you to be the best Christian you can be. That's why we do what we do. That's why I'm here. That's why, why Brother Matt's here. That's why everybody's here tonight that brought you. We want you to be all you can be for Christ. Read Galatians chapter, look at Galatians chapter 3 and verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth crucified among you? O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? You have to understand here, Paul is frustrated. Because these people in Galatia aren't really getting it. These people in Galatia have erred from the truth. These people from Galatia have sort of gone down a different path. They've got their eyes off of God. They've got their eyes off of true doctrine. And Paul is frustrated. And I can tell you that when you as a teenager get your eyes off of serving God, it is frustrating. In fact, one of my teenagers messaged me before before we left. Uh, he messaged me about... Four o'clock, and he said, Brother Matt, of course, I am, I, it was text message, so this is all, I'm, I'm just a voice actor. I don't actually know how he sounded when he said it. Brother Matt, I have to do tests for my driving class tomorrow, and this is what I, this is the rest of the text message. This is how I read it. Blah, 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 excuse, 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 blah, 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 blah. I hope you can understand. So graciously, I responded to him, dear so-and-so, I totally understand where you're coming from. Nope. I, I type back, K, hit enter. That was it. You know why? Because I was frustrated. I was frustrated that he didn't come with us tonight. I was Somebody else messaged me and said, oh, well, tomorrow's the first day of school. They can't come tonight because we have somebody that starts a week early. What was my response to them? K, 
Senate. You know why? Because I was frustrated. Because they should be here tonight. Because I feel like they should, I feel like we should have, we should have many more youth groups and many more people here, many more teenagers, because things like this are important. Because lots of effort goes into these things. And like Paul, I want to say, oh foolish teenager, why are you putting things ahead of God? Why are you putting things ahead of serving God? Why are you doing this? And why are you doing that? Why was Paul frustrated? We see, he says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Number one, we see Paul is confused. He says, who hath bewitched you? And look, I hope every one of you here today is like, man, I'm just, I'm the best Christian I could possibly be. I have no room for improvement. I could not be any better of a Christian. I could not walk any closer with the Lord. I am so ready to go to school and be the Christian that God intends for me to be. I hope everybody in here says that tonight, but I have a feeling that's not the case. I have a feeling that's not the case. And as Paul writes here and says, Oh foolish Galatians, who have bewitched you? There's some confusion. There is some confusion. Who hath bewitched you? You know, we live in a, we live in a world where we have to keep our, we have to have, we have to keep our guard up constantly. We have to keep our guard up constantly. And here we see, so the actual problem in Galatians was, some people had come in, the Judaizers had come in, and they had tried to get, they had tried to get these Christians in Galatia to, to believe a different doctrine. And doctrine, of course, is teaching. And, and basically what happened is, and I'm not, I don't want to go deep theologically into it, but, but what he said was, he, they came in and they said, oh yeah, yeah, your salvation is fine. Oh yeah, believe in Jesus Christ for salvation, but add all this other stuff to your faith. Oh, just, you have to add maybe some works and maybe some sacraments and maybe some other stuff. And so Paul was frustrated because they had begun to like lean back toward a works-based salvation. And so, so Paul is frustrated. He says, he says, why are you so foolish? You know what the truth is. He says, you know what the truth is. Why are you so foolish? That's, but he says, who hath bewitched you? He says, who hath bewitched you? Some people had come into their lives and begun to change the way that they thought, changed their thinking on uh, what they had been taught, changed their thinking on what God's plan for their life was. Some people had come into their lives. You all are about to start school again. School's about to begin again. Now, you might be homeschooled, you might be in Christian school, you might go to public school. I know for sure all of those groups are represented here tonight. There's no doubt. And, you know, it's kind of weird because, you know, we, we, when January 1st comes, we're like, well, it's time for New Year's resolutions. But really, like, our society runs on, a, runs on the school calendar. Like, really, I mean, like, our New Year's, our New Year is next week. <laughs> Actually, next week is the most wonderful time of the year. I have six kids at home. I will get it, like, one day a week at home by myself. It's going to be great. But anyway, um, but we run our, we kind of run our, our life schedule on the school calendar. And so, and I, I'm not going to get you to make school year resolutions or anything like that, but, but this is sort of like when we start new things. This is sort of like when we start, when, when, when something new begins. And, but I want you to notice here, he says, who hath bewitched you? He says, who hath bewitched you? And, and guaranteed that new relationships are coming into your lives. There are new relationships coming into your lives, no doubt, for sure. If you're homeschooled, maybe a little less. You Maybe you have a homeschool group or something. Who is homeschooled in here? If all of you raise your hand, I'm just going to change my message and preach something else. Okay, only like seven of you. What do you guys do? You go to Christian school? Okay, let's just do it all. Christian school, raise your hand. Public school, raise your hand. Oh, good. Good. All right, excellent. 
So Christian school kids, whatever, don't listen to this because you don't, you have to, you aren't going to meet your brother and sister this week. So, um, but, but most of you, whether you're in Christian school, homeschool kids, do you have like a homeschool group you get together with? Yes, these two do. The rest of you are like, don't understand the question. Got it. But, uh, but, so, so when the new school year starts, 100% guaranteed there are new relationships waiting. And, and I gotta tell you, like, I, I, I made some great friends in high school. I made some great friends in high school. I'm still in contact with, uh, with a couple of them. You know, I had some great friends. But I know some people who went and, and they really, they chose, they chose wrongly. They chose to run with the wrong crowd. And look, I'm, I have high expectations for you. I don't expect that's what you'll do. But the temptation is there to be bewitched by somebody. The temptation, the opportunity, the folly is there for you to be, to, for you to be bewitched by someone. For you to have someone come into your life that is not right for you. Because that's what had happened here in Galatia. Paul is frustrated. He says, who hath bewitched you? Because someone had come in, someone had come in and, and affected them. And if we talk about that word bewitched, we say, well, what's the word bewitched mean? The word bewitched means loosely to be fascinated with evil. To be fascinated with evil. To wor- the word bewitched means to be, fasc- to be fascinated with evil. And I would ask you who has ever seen the show, the television show Bewitched. Has anybody ever actually seen the television show Bewitched? Brother Howard, don't lie. You've seen it. I saw you wiggle your nose at me. Anyway, none of you will get that or understand. But, but, the, but bewitched means to be fascinated with evil. Be fascinated with evil. To be consumed with wanting that evil thing. And you know, a lot of times that happens. A lot of times that happens when we get around new people because what do we want to do? do who likes to be rejected? Who loves rejection? No? Nobody? That's shocking. You don't like to be rejected? No, we all want to be accepted. We all want to be accepted. We go to a new, who is anybody going into grade nine? Nobody in here is going into the ninth grade. Raise your hands. It's not scary. Only two of you. Okay. So you two are like the most scared people on earth right now. Where are you going? Are you going to public school or Christian school? Are you going to public school or Christian school? Eh, That's not so, you already know everybody in the school then. (laughs) That's not so hard. That's not so hard. I know like going, who, who, who is it? So nobody's going into ninth grade in public school. Because that's like super scary. Going into the ninth grade in public school is like terrifying. Because you go from like having this like little cluster of people to like giant buildings and lockers and classes and everything. But, but as you go in, no matter what it is, you go into a new school, you have, you're gonna meet people. There is no doubt you are gonna meet somebody. You're gonna have a new friend. You're gonna have, you're gonna have a new relationship. And by the way, that's, I'm not just talking about your peers. You're gonna have new relationships with teachers as well. And if you go to public school, you need to put your guard up. I know that, and, and trust, I, look, I have, I have six kids at home, two go to Christian school and four go to public school. And you can ask me why that, you, you can ask me, you, if you want me to explain that to you later, why we do it that way, you're welcome to ask me, I'm not going to explain it right now. But we, I've got two kids that go to Faithway, I've got four kids that go to public school. Well, actually, that's not true. I've got two kids that go to Faithway, one kid that goes to Catholic school, and three kids that go to public school. That's right. When you have six kids, you have to stop and really think about it. But, but, uh, but you know, no matter what, especially in public school, you have to guard, you have to watch out. You have to weigh out who has influence on you. 
Because the bottom line is somebody has influence on you. And Paul's frustrated because he had influence on this church at Galatia. He had invested a lot in them. But they had turned from what he had taught them. They had turned from the truth that he had taught them and started to believe something else. And you know what I've seen happen? I was in the youth ministry for 10 years. That's a long time to be a youth pastor. Like the youth, youth, youth pastors last like, I think the average is like nine months. <laughs> That's the actual like, like church, like if you were to take all the churches in North America, the average is like nine months. So I was in for 10 years. That, that means I saw, I saw like two generations of teenagers pretty much cycle through. So I've seen a lot of stuff. And you know, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking and frustrating, not just to your youth pastor or your pastor or youth worker, but it's also heartbreaking and frustrating to God because here's the problem. You, by, by taking whatever relationship is presented to you, by taking that wrong relationship, by letting somebody who believes differently than you or somebody, somebody that believes differently than what you were taught have that influence on you, you're choosing less than God's best. You're choosing less than God's best. And that's the frustrating thing is because as a 40-year-old who's been up here, who, who has seen it, who has seen so many things, it's frustrating when we see a teenager say, well, I'm just going to go this way for a while. I'm going to go this way and do something different for a while. It's frustrating because we want to stand up and say, no, 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 that's not the right thing. No, 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 don't settle for less than God's best. Oh, no, don't settle for that. I think of, we had, uh, we had a, uh, a girl in our youth group, a girl in our youth group who, who, uh, oh, we've had lot, we've had lots of kids in our youth group that have, have been in trouble, but we had a girl in our youth group that, that man, she was, she, if I, you said, who's your best teenager? I would have said this girl. In fact, if you said, who is the best teenager you ever had as a youth pastor? I would say this girl. Probably. Yeah, I would say this girl. And this girl got to be about, I think she was, she was either 15 or 16. And she had, she had trouble at home because her mom, who used to be a bus kid at our church, decided that she could only go to church once a week and that she could choose. She could choose to go Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday night or she could choose to go to youth meeting, but she could only go once a week because she wanted her to go out and to just, you know, be a normal teenager, not to be at church so much. And so obviously that was very frustrating for us. That was very frustrating for her. And, and, but we just tried to encourage her. It'll be okay, you know, it'll be fine. Just do what you, do, honor your mother, do what she says, but you know, stay strong, whatever. And, and it, it was okay for a while. And remember, I would say this girl is the best teenager that I've ever had in my youth group. And, you know, before we knew it, by the time she was 16, she had a baby. She had a baby. And by the time she was 16. And you say, you, and, and, and to this, to this day, I mean, I, I performed their, I performed her and her, her and her husband's wedding, you know, five, four or five years later, and they're still together and all that stuff. But, but here's the problem. They settled for far less than God's best. They settled for far less than God's best. They settled for far less than the mountaintop. They settled for far less than what God had intended for them. And we see so many teenagers, so many people, and I, look, we say teenagers all the time. We see so many people that settle for less than God's best. And that's what Paul is frustrated. Paul is frustrated here. Because they have settled and let someone in that has convinced them to settle for less than God's best. And as you head into school, look, this is preventative maintenance. This is preventative maintenance. Put your guard up. Be ready. Because this is coming. Because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And my, my hope and prayer for you is that when, school, that when this school year happens, that you will not get devoured. 
Our hope, our hope and prayer for you is that, is that you'll get on the mountain and that you will not be devoured. Because we do have a real adversary, the devil, who would seek you and devour you at any opportunity. And he will use any tactic he can to do it. He will use any tactic he can to do it. <clears throat> we have, we, they had people in Galatia that, were, that had become fascinated with evil. They were bewitched. And this is why Paul was frustrated. Paul was frustrated because he says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath evidently, been evidently set forth, crucified among you. What Paul is saying here, he's saying, O foolish Galatians, you have become fascinated with this evil, but why? Because you know better. Because you know better. He says, because Christ has been set, evidently set forth before you, because you know better. You know what God's best is. You know what God's plan is. You know that God has something bigger for you. You know that God has something big for your life. This is the truth. I believe that God has a specific plan for everyone's life in this room here tonight. I believe God specifically cares about everything you do. I believe God specifically cares about your future, about all those things. I believe God has a specific interest in you. And you need to get to the point where you believe that God has a specific interest in you. You need to come to the understanding that when Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for your sin, He died specifically for you. And when He did that, and when you got saved, that was the beginning of His specific plan for your life. That was the beginning for, of, the, of His specific plan for your life. You have to get to the, come to the belief and understanding that God, God has a specific plan for you. And that's why Paul is frustrated. That's one of the reasons Paul is frustrated. Paul says, Paul says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you, that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. He said, man, it's obvious. He says, it's been obviously and evidently set forth before you, you know better. You've been taught better. You have seen God work in your own heart and your own life, and yet you've decided to be bewitched by some evil. And look, I don't want to be, I don't want to be like, like an old guy and be like, now young people, there's so much evil out in the world today. But, let's be honest. It's different than when, it's different than when we grew up. How old are you? 31? Well, you're at least like, we're within a decade of each other. So, Brother Howard, how old are you? Man, how old are you? 41, there we go, that's my guy right there. We're like in the same neighborhood. Brother Howard, he's like on the next block up there at 47, and you're like coming up from behind. But, uh, but, but really, like the truth, like you hear people say this all the time, but it's different. Like I was making fun of fanny packs earlier. Like it's different now where we grew up, except for fanny packs, fanny packs and snapback, everything is different. And every, it's different. Like we didn't have social media. When I was in, I was in Bible college, I got my first cell phone, and it was awesome because it had a clip. It was a flip phone. It was the it was the very first flip phone made by Samsung. They called it the clamshell. It was silver and it was awesome. And I worked at Radio Shack and I sold Sprint phones. You had it? You had that phone? You yeah, bet. But uh, did you have the case too that you could spin it? Yeah. Oh yeah. So so I worked at Radio Shack. Oh yeah. Now I'm excited. He knows what I'm talking about. Normally I tell the story and people are like, what? 
So I worked at Radio Shack. I sold Sprint cell phones, and this this phone came in, and it was like super. It was hot. It was like super hot. People were like, "Man, I gotta get that phone." And we got five of them in, and I bought one. It cost me a hundred and fifty dollars. I know that was a lot. Hey, that was a lot of money then. But we used to be able to buy a Coke and a hot dog for twenty five cents, and myself. No, I'm just kidding. We didn't. But. But and it was awesome because it had a clip and I and it right and you I clipped it on my belt and I could spin it in the clip like this and it was like and you know when I did that it was like hey everyone look at my cell phone it is on my belt and I'm spinning it and but you know what and and this is the truth when and and I'm, I'm trying to shut down here this is the truth that that when when so when I was selling cell phones in 1998 which is 20 20 years ago 20 years ago. You could get, you could get, um, for, for like $30 a month, you got like 250 minutes and, <laughs> this is so ridiculous, and 10 text messages. <laughs> you got 250 minutes and 10 text messages for $30 a month. And you can add like 20 more text messages for like another $5. And so people would come in and, <laughs> This is, this is so ridiculous. People come in and they would be like, well, I want this plan, but do I need more text messages? And I, and I told everybody, I was like, text messaging is so stupid. It will never catch on. No one, who wants to text anybody? And here in 2018, I'm like, did you call me? Don't ever call me again, only text me. I don't ever want to hear your voice, I just want to see your emojis. But, uh, but, but, and I say all that, say this, like, things have changed. Things have changed. You know, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever. Things have changed. Like you have, you have constant access to your friends and, and, and to, you have constant access to every corner of the world all the time in your pocket. Like my iPhone is so much better than my first computer. It's unbelievable. This is no joke. If you know anything about computers, this thing is not on. I gotta stop leaning into it. Um, if you know anything about computers, my first computer was a 486. Man, we're like twins. Twinsies right there. 380, actually, mine might have been a 386, but it had 8 megabytes of storage. <laughs> 8 megabytes! That means you can install, like, one game, maybe, if you're lucky. But I say all this to say, things have changed. Things have changed. The first time I got on the Internet, it was like, it was like, it was dial-up. Anybody ever used dial-up before? All right, four of us. You guys are also, you have? You've used dial-up? Really? Why? <laughs> you wear champion clothes, you got a Walmart too, don't you? <laughs> but anyway, sorry, bad joke, I guess. Um, but, but things have just changed. Like, th- things have changed drastically because you have instant, you have constant access to everything. You have constant access to, to sin and wickedness and all kinds of things. I mean, you have constant access to good things too. But the opportunity for you to, to find that evil, the opportunity for you to, to, to be bewitched, the opportunity for you uh, to be influenced by, those, by outside sources, man, it's really good. It's, really, it's not really good. It's really great. You have a, that opportunity is huge. And that's why these Galatians, what they needed to do was they needed to guard themselves. They needed to set up safeguards to make sure that that wasn't going to happen. They needed to set up safeguards to make sure that their doctrine wouldn't change. They need to set up safeguards against these people that would try to change their mind. And look, as you head into school, 
Man, I want you to live for God. I want you to live for Christ. And if you decided to do that this summer, man, just do everything you can to, 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 do, to follow through with that. But if you're going to follow through with that, you've got to put up some safeguards. You've got to put up some safeguards. And look, this is not going to be popular. I, I will just say I hate Snapchat. I hate it. Snapchat, I, I, you should throw it out. But, but whatever. I'm not, I don't want to go down that road because it always irritated me when I was like, well, I, I don't, yeah. I, why is that pastor always talking about Snapchat or whatever? But, but that's the only thing I ever, that I don't allow in my house. But I will say this, your parents should have your passwords. You should go home and say, hey, mom, dad, here's the password for my Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, whatever. I don't know. I can't think of any more, but I know there are more. You should go and say, hey, mom and dad, hey, mom, dad, whoever, here's, here's the password. And you're like, I would never do that. Why? Why would you not do that? Well, because I wouldn't want them to read what I was saying. Why? What's the problem? Why wouldn't you want them to read that? And look, I, we, I, we, can, we check all of our kids' devices. I don't go through and read and be like, oh, oh, Dita likes that boy. Oh, I'm going to punch him in the face. Oh, look. Oh, look, Kiki. Oh, what? Look, Kiki told a joke to her friend. We don't do that. And I don't really think you're... Look, there is nothing that makes parents crazier than having to listen to teenage conversation. I'm serious. Like, my kids come home and they're like, they're like, oh, Dita will be like, oh, Daddy, you'll never guess what so-and-so did. And I'm like, is it a girl? Yes. Girl drama. I don't want to hear it. Because no parents want to hear teenage conversation because it makes no sense. However, however, you should, you should go get, you should set the safeguard of giving your parents your password. You say, here's, here's the password for my whatever. That, that way you can ever check, that way you can check it if you want to. That way you can check it if you want to. You say, well, why, why should I do that? Because man, it's safe. If you know, if you know your mom or dad has your password, you're going to be like, oh, I better be careful what I do. I better be careful what I, that doesn't mean you can't talk to your friends. That doesn't mean you can't have fun. That doesn't mean you can't take 18,000 selfies a day. That doesn't mean any of those things. But that sets up a safeguard for you. That sets up a safeguard for you to make sure that you don't fall prey to those things. You need to set up some safeguards and say, man, whatever relationships come my way this fall, I'm going to make sure they're the right relationship. I'm going to make sure they're the right relationship. Because you have friend relationships that will happen this fall. And by the way, I had friends at Christian school that we were just bad for each other. So don't be like, well, I go to Christian school, everyone is okay, because that's not true. That's not true. I had friend, I, so so I went to I went to public school for the first eleven first eleven eleven and a half grades, and I went to Christian school uh, for the last grade and a half because I beat somebody up, put them in the hospital, and they made me go to Christian school, or whatever. But um, <laughs> that's not that's not really true. <laughs> but uh, but uh, when I went to Christian school, I, you know, I met kids. They weren't at Christian school because they wanted to be there and they wanted to serve God. And those people were not great for me to be around. So I'm telling you this, and even in your homeschool groups or whatever, or in your neighborhood or at the mall or on the, on the interwebs or on whatever, on social media, whatever it is. By the way, let me, let me give you your don't be an idiot tip for the night. Don't be friends with people you don't know on social media. If you don't know them in real life, don't be a total idiot and be friends with them. Okay? Thank you. And and you say, oh, Pastor Waski, did you mean that? Yes, I do. You're an idiot if you do that. But, um, but uh, sorry, I got so... Um, but you, you are going to have relationships that come into your life in the next week, in the next week or two weeks. You need to weigh all of those out, whether it's friends, 
whether it's teachers, if you're in public school especially, whether it's boyfriends and girlfriends, you need, to, you need to weigh those things out. You need to weigh those things out and say, is this right? Does this glorify God or doesn't it? Does this per, do me in this per, the, the book of Amos, the Bible says in the book of Amos, how can two walk together except they be agreed? Do I agree with this person through what I've been taught and through my, does my Christian life agree with this person? Does Jesus Christ agree with this person? We have to, you have to guard your relationships because it is too easy to fall prey to the wrong kind of relationship. And we don't, we don't have to go through all the different things because you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. You know that maybe today you, there, you have a relationship that you know is inappropriate. You have a relationship you know you shouldn't have. If that's the case, you need to confess that to God and just stop. You say, well, I don't want to be mean. How could I stop being friends with that person? Okay, let me show you how it works. Block. Block. Why aren't you talking to me? Because I don't want to be your friend. Is it not, was it not obvious? It's really not that difficult. In fact, it's easier. It, not only is it easier to be in touch with people today, it's actually easier to stop being friends with people today too. Because you can just block them. Then you're like, well, you just can't get in contact with me. But you, some of you might have a friend you need to block even now. But, but Paul's frustration here is, oh foolish Galatians, you know better. Oh foolish Galatians, you know better. And look, my hope and prayer is that all of you are ready to go to school and you will go live for Christ as best you can. That your man, you will not fall prey to any of these things. But I think somebody in here tonight probably needs this. They probably need to be reminded about the preventative maintenance you need to have with the relationships that are in your life that are coming into your life. Because relationships are coming. And then here's the good part. Here is how your relationships ought to work. And I'm almost done. Your relationships ought to work like this. That you have an influence over people that they might be saved. That you have an influence over people that they might come to know Christ. Because if you put yourself out there as a Christian... People are going to be like, well, he's a Christian and he acts like that. Well, he's a Christian. He does that. He does that. You have a great opportunity wherever you are, whether it's public school or Christian school or homeschool, to have a testimony that influences others. To have a testimony that influences others. To be the opposite of the foolish Galatians. I always encourage our church people and I've always encouraged our teenagers that there shouldn't be a Christian life and uh, and uh, or a church life and some other life. Because I know people who are like, well, they're my church friends. Or, well, you know, uh, those are people I go to church with, or whatever. Or, well, that's what I do on Sundays. Here's, here's the key to it all, is that your Christian life shouldn't be able to be separated from your other life. We don't live two lives. We, are, we, we aren't meant to be bipolar. We're just supposed to be Christians, and that should be inseparable. We, we're supposed to have a, a matter-of-fact faith that, that, man, it's just who we are. And going back to school, that's just who you should be. And that's who Paul expected these Galatians to be. Paul expected these Galatians to just be, you know, Christians all the time. Christians no matter where they went. Believe in the right doctrine wherever they went. He didn't expect them to be, to be bewitched by sin. So as you go back to school, you ought to have the goal that, man, I'm going to go back and I'm going to live for God. I'm going to go back and I'm going to live for God no matter what. No matter what happens, I'm going to go back and I'm going to live for God. I'm going to walk with Him. I'm going to pray and read my Bible. When the, even when school starts, I'm going to set that time aside. I'm going to do everything I can to be like Enoch, to be like Noah, to be people that walk with God. Because people, people will say, well, they're teenagers. They should, sow their, they should sow their wild oats and do whatever. Those are people who have low expectations for your life. My expectation for your life is that you would go forward and serve God and be the greatest generation of teenagers that we've ever seen in the GTA. And be the greatest generation of Christian teenagers to make the greatest impact. But 
We can't do that without safeguards. We can't do that without guarding against these relationships, without guarding against uh, the false teaching, without guarding, putting up safeguards in our own lives. Maybe tonight you would say, you know, I don't even know about being a Christian. You would say, I don't even really understand the whole being a Christian thing. Maybe tonight, let me ask you this question. If you died right now, do you know for sure you would go to heaven? If you died right now, do you know for sure you would go to heaven? Because I said God has a, God has a plan for everybody's life, and that's true. But that all begins with trusting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Maybe somebody here tonight says, you know, I don't really even know about that. I don't, if I died right now, would I go to heaven? I don't know the answer. Well, we can take the Bible and show you what God says. I can take the Bible and show you what God says, not my opinion, so that you could leave this place, so you could put your head on your pillow tonight and know for sure that if something happened, that heaven is your home. Then that way you know if something happens that heaven is your home, that you can, that you can know for sure if you died right now, you would go to heaven. And if you have any doubt about that, you need to speak to somebody about that tonight. You need to get that settled. There is no greater place where people will rejoice with you than this place to get that settled. Let's stand for prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity we have to be in this place. And God, I pray that as we, as we head into a new school year, as we consider the things that we'll see and face, I pray, God, that you would uh, help us to realize we need safeguards. We need to watch the relationships. We need to watch uh, what we do and how we act. And, God, I pray that we would decide even tonight that as we go back to school that we will put those safeguards in place, that we would ultimately serve you with our lives. I pray, God, if there's anyone here today that needs to be saved, anybody that needs to trust Christ as their Savior, that they would come and they would, they would speak to one of us, that we might show them how they can know for sure that if they died right now, they would go to heaven. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.